I got to make sure I hold this at the right spot. Is this right? All right, so I am Peugeot McClung. You all are all very well acquainted with my husband, Sam, as he has spoken here many times. Um, I think this might be the first time I've been up here, at least to my memory it is. Um, so what we are talking about this morning, kind of carrying on with the whole month, is work as worship. And we were, um, Sam and I had the pleasure to go to the work as worship conference on Friday here, held at the church, and um, it was very enjoyable, kind of puts work in a whole new light. So what I'm going to speak about first is kind of what I do for my 40-hour-a-week job and then um, kind of tie that into making that work be worship to God. So I'm a physical therapist. Um, have any of you guys had physical therapy? I know you have because I've had several of you before. Um, so generally speaking, yes, with physical therapy, as you as a patient, it's kind of a love-hate relationship, right? Um, I've been called many things as a physical therapist, you know, I like pain and torture, I'm a physical terrorist, various other such things. Um, so oftentimes when I have patients come in, some are very apprehensive, some love to see me, um, but I have to get through that, I have to reach that person where they are. And so sometimes it's, yay, I'm gung-ho, ready to go, and the other person is like, you want me to do something? I'm like, well, it is called physical therapy. And so some people give me that blank stare like, was that sarcasm or are you serious? I'm not sure where you're going here. Um, and so that's where I have to be very creative and God uses me be, to be creative to reach everyone on that level. So I have to obviously speak with little babies. I've had, you know, maybe two or three month old all the way up to triple digits. And so Getting those people to get better, to meet their goals, is what, what I do. Um, so when I think about my profession, there's always a few patients that stand out. And one is a patient, Shelby. So I saw this lady, Shelby, my first year as a PT. It was actually probably the first month or two. And me inside praying that they didn't ask how long I had been a physical therapist. Because at that point, I could have told you how many days it had been since I had passed my exam. And so this particular patient, she came in and was checking in at the front desk, filling out the paperwork as everyone must do. And I knew it was going to be a challenge because she was crying, filling out the paperwork. So as a PT, especially as a brand new PT, in my mind is panic, okay? I am not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm a physical therapist. And so when you have someone who is crying at the front desk, I think, oh no, what am I going to do? Because i got to ask this lady questions that are probably going to bring up why she's crying, right? I mean, and what do you do when someone's sitting in your office crying? As a new therapist, panic mode set in, okay? So she was out there for a very long time with the receptionist who was very caring, filled out all the paperwork. Um, she brought me the clipboard and said, good luck. Great. You know, i have been a therapist for not long. So I go out to the waiting area and ask Shelby to come back. She's in a wheelchair. So um, I push her back to the room. We sit in the room. I introduce myself. And then I'm like, okay, well, I got to ask, so why are you here? And obviously, I know that tears 
are going to ensue. And the last thing anyone wants to do is cause a grown person to cry, right? I mean, you know, this is not tears of joy. And so she tells me her story as to how she got here. And it is a very sad story. Um, she and her husband were in a car going down the road. They were in a car accident. Her husband passed away. She was in the hospital for a very long time. Um, and in the midst of all that, had a lot of financial difficulties, was staying with a friend, and she came to see me. All right? Her goal was many things. Obviously, she was grieving the loss of her spouse, the loss of her physical self, okay? And then also just the fact that she didn't know where she was going to be in a few weeks because, I mean, you can't stay with a friend forever, okay? So over the period of a couple months, she would come three times a week, every morning, and she did not like seeing me, okay? So her goal was to be able to walk, which was a very attainable goal with what had happened. However, what she was overcoming was a lot of things. Physical pain, emotional pain, and will and drive, right? So you come, and I tell you to do lift your leg, three sets of 10, okay? And then it goes to three sets of 15. And of course, she looked at me like, are you kidding me? I mean, did you see my x-ray? Did you see what happened to me? And so that's where God used me to speak into her for encouragement. And that was encouragement that caused tears, and a lot of them. It was also encouragement that caused her emotional growth. Like she realized that she could do this, not only physically, but also get back on her feet. Okay. So fast forward several months, two months I think I saw her, two or three months, um, and she finished physical therapy, and at that point, she was with a cane, okay? She had a home. She was walking out with a cane, and so she went from pretty much the lowest point of her life, and then she felt like she had the tools to do what she needed to do, okay? And so, of course, as the physical therapist, I had a small piece in that, that physical recovery, but sometimes for my work, you also have to pull that emotional part in there, too. And I always wish that when I was an undergrad that I'd taken, taken more psychology, because that'd be helpful. Um, but, you know, she left that new person. And as you would imagine, on a day-to-day -day basis, that is, you know, a great story. But that's not how they all turn out, as you would imagine. Those who've had physical therapy, you know, if you have a broken finger, well, you come to me for a few weeks, and you leave, and your finger's better. Okay, um, but sometimes those, you know, when, when I have maybe patients who don't want to come or don't show up or don't whatever, I have to remind myself that God used me in that lady's life, and he will continue to use me even if sometimes I get frustrated or if I get disappointed. Man, this person isn't getting better, God. Why aren't they getting better? And then I ask the person, are you doing the things I told you to do at home? And of you all who have had physical therapy, oftentimes the answer is no, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I can tell who doesn't or not, no matter what you say. So that's, you know, whatever you want to tell me is fine, but I can tell. Um, and so that's where I think, all right, God, for this person who just walked in the door every day, what do they need? How are you going to use me to help them? 
All right, and that's where work turns into worship. And that kind of gives a whole nother spin on how you spend 40 plus hours a week. So you spend more at work if you're working full time than you do at home. I mean, you can't count with sleeping. Um, but awake hours, that's where you spend your time. And so that's what you have to think is, God, what is my job and how do you use me every single day? Okay? So my job, I know a lot of people think, well, it's healthcare. Of course, it's work, it's worship, you're helping people. But sometimes it's kind of hard to see. You know, that's hard to see when um, you have patients who don't want to be there, who you're causing them pain, and then they show up again, and you're like, well, I'm sorry, this will make you better, but for this next hour, you will not like me, and you will not like me tomorrow, but please come back. I mean, that's a little daunting, right? I mean, so... Um, Sometimes I'll tell people in a um, jovial way, because you have to tell them jovial or else they'll think that you're crazy, um, that physical therapy is not a democracy, right? If any of you all have been to PT, you come in, the PT tells you what to do, and you do it, right? I mean, you guys can nod at least. Um, you do it. So it's not a democracy, all right? It's not socialism. We don't all have an easy, you know, equal vote in PT. I always say in physical therapy, it's not a democracy. It's a dictatorship, and the PT is the dictator, right? We tell you what to do. You come in, you do it, and you leave it better, okay? But obviously, that is not a dictatorship. It's not an, a, uh, you know, a Christian way to look at things, obviously. But that's where you have to talk to people and say, all right, if you do what I say, you will get better, your pain may not go away, okay, either emotional or physical pain that you're feeling from your injury, but your function, your quality of life will improve, okay? And that's what I tell my patients every day, okay? And depending on the personality, I will say that or not, because otherwise they may not come back. Um, so what I'm going to talk about now is work as worship, kind of tying it into the Word of God, all right? So I approach each day that work is worship, and that's how, for myself, I hadn't always used the word worship, but I have joy coming into work. There's only one day that I can remember. I've been a PT for 10 years. There's only one day that I remember thinking, I really don't want to be here today, and that day was November 14th, 2016, the day Zeke was born, because he was born later that day. So, you know, I kind of give that one an out, because I walked in thinking, I just don't want to be here today, and now I see why. My body had other plans for the day. Um, but anyway, so work is worship. Worship is loving God, and God is love, right? There's truth to all that. Most people would agree. So there's three things that we're going to talk about this morning. Number one is live in Christ. The second are you are the body of Christ. And third is to love like Christ. So live in Christ, what does that mean? John chapter 15 verse 4 says in the message, Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. All right, so think about that a minute. 
A Christian won't be fruitful if you are removed from the vine, if you're taken away from the roots, from the giver of life, fruit isn't possible if you're pulled up by the roots, okay? And that's the root in, the, in God. Your 40-hour job requires life, and that life is Jesus Christ. You have to be the branch bearing fruit who must be connected to God. God is the giver of life. If you don't allow Christ through you to give life, how will Christ be alive in your workplace? So if you aren't rooted in Christ in your workplace, then how are you going to give life? How are you going to spread the good news to your work where you are for 40 hours a week? The second is you are the body of Christ. We as the church and everyone here is the body of Christ. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 through 31, and this is my paraphrase of this. You are Christ's body. No arguing, that's who you are. He made you. God made you. You're the original model. You must accept your part for you to realize how important your role is. If you think about it, you're familiar with all the pieces of the body of Christ. Pastors, praise and worship team, greeters, maintenance, youth workers, doctors, teachers, bus drivers, landscapers, parents, and physical therapists. The list is endless to the parts of the body of Christ. We each have our to-do list, our list of purpose. At times, we try to compete against each other for importance, but we are all important pieces of the body of Christ. We each have our individual role in his body. We are each a cell in the body of Christ doing our part, doing our very important job that we are each made for. We each have a job. We're each a cell in that body, just like our body is made of cells. Okay. And the third point is love like Christ. So I'm going to reference 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 3 through 7, which you're all very familiar with if you've been to a wedding at any point. So you're thinking, well, why are you reading a wedding verse? Yeah, we're talking about work. I'm not talking about being married to work. Don't worry. All right. But what a different meaning this has when you think about it in relation to work. So this love, okay, these love verses in relation to work. So as I read this, don't think of wedding bells and, you know, Mr. and Mrs. whomever. Think about the alarm going off, packing your lunch, drinking your coffee, and off to work you go. Hi-ho, hi-ho, right? Off to work you go. So I want you to think about that as I read from the message about this in relation to work, to your job, to what you spend the majority of your time doing. If I give everything I own to the poor and then go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up at work. Love cares more for others than for self, even at work. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, 
doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first at work, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, even at work. Trust God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. So live in Christ at work. You are the body of Christ at work for 40 plus hours a week. Love like Christ. And when you do those three things, remember those three things every day, then work will be worship. Thank you. Isn't she awesome? I think so. Um, and somehow she's still with me. Yay. Um, a few of you were there 13 years ago and when, uh, as we're giving our, each other our vows, and I looked at her and I said, I will make you a better person. I did. I didn't mean to. Now, the funny thing, she didn't catch it. My brother, the lawyer over here, like... <clears throat> Yeah, he, yeah, he heard the words, and so when we get him, like, did you hear what I said? She said, no, okay. Um, and, and the good news is we forgot to video it. So, so she would have never known, but I can't keep a secret uh, from her. Um, anyway, uh, well, I did notice one thing before we get started into my portion. Tamisha, little baby juniper, precious, precious. Now, a lot of us have been sick, so give them a dome of protection, but look at that beautiful baby. So, welcome. So, all right. So, again, good morning. My name is Sam McClung. Um, I am the director of middle school and high school ministry here. I'm also a physical therapist assistant, okay? Um, like Peugeot, I've been called many things. Um, the one that bothered me the most is when I had a patient look at me and say, you're a Satanist. No, I'm a sadist. Totally different. Okay. Um, and so, no, no, I'm not. But... Um, <clears throat> So, uh, you know, and here's the deal. I went to college for seven years for that. Most people who go to college for seven years, you call doctor. I'm not a doctor. I did it backwards, which is okay. Confuses the people at the student loan department. They're like, okay, you already have a BA and you want to get an associate's. Yes. That's not how it works. I know. But, it, but that's what we did. But, but, you know, and what I did straight out of college the first time around is I went to work doing inside industrial sales, really putting my mass media degree to work. Like many of us have a degree, your first job says they don't match, and they don't, and that's fine. Um, maybe we should have thought about our degree beforehand, um, and I work, tell that to your kids all the time, think about what your major, if you're going to college, maybe it should make sense. Anyway, but um, I wasn't satisfied with my work. I did well. I had, I had a good time. I worked on a good team. We had fun together. But it wasn't satisfying. So I thought maybe it was the work that was the problem. So I changed, and I switched to retail. I know that wasn't a smart decision. Many of you have worked in retail and go, Ugh, you went from wholesale to retail? I know. 
However, I was excellent at it, okay? I went from new hire to store manager within four months, working on working commission, and I was really very, very good at it. And in the meantime, I get to hear my wife come home and tell me stories of a woman that came in in a wheelchair and months later walked out. And I think that that's a problem with my job because all I did was make someone look good for a job interview. Not, the quite, not quite the same, um, same sense of completion, and I felt inadequate. So, ser- you know, searching for something more, and in the meantime, we're, we're moving back here, I, I, I decide, okay, she has all these wonderful stories of helping people, I'll do the same thing. I'm not going to start over, but I'll do the associates, the quicker program. And so I went back to school to be a PTA so I could have stories like Peugeot. The problem was that I never changed my attitude. On my first day of working at the nursing home, now I'd been working outpatient, I'd been doing some other things, um, but my first day at work at the nursing home, I walk onto the floor, okay? First off, I'm not happy to be switched to the nursing home. There's a reason the PT and PTAs that work at nursing home make more money. But the first day, walk onto the floor, and do you know that look of the cat that ate the canary? So there's a resident there that has that look and obviously has something in her mouth. So I'm like, is there really a canary? Uh, And she looks at me, and I say, and she runs. So I chase and we, I catch up and, you know, the one, one cool thing is if you're running somewhere as an employee of this place, you will develop a tail because there's a reason you're running. So, uh, but I, I, get to, I, I get to her and I said, hey, hey, spit it out. Now, I remember, I don't know what it is. So spit it out. So thankfully at this time I have some help. And long story short, we, we get her to spit it out, and inside her mouth is about 20, 25 thumbtacks. There are now no more thumbtacks <laughs> at this nursing home. They're not allowed anymore. Uh, thankfully, we have x-ray proof that she didn't swallow any, and that's my first day. I go back downstairs. They're like, you didn't come back with a patient. No, I didn't. I'm done. Uh, you know, unfortunately, they said, no, you're not. Go on. And so I went back up, and we'll talk more about that on um, more about that later. And you know, um, and but I, but I want to go back to you know Friday. We had an awesome time that we came in here and we talked about work as worship. Okay, and one of the things that was pointed out was how many awesome men and women in power positions in the secular world are Christians. And don't see it as the secular world. It's just where we are. So that was really neat, and that was really impactful on me. And, you know, and there's things that we get into and with our jobs and, you know, the different vernacular. And you could hear some of them talk differently, talk, use words. Like there was one guy with the, uh, the little cherry tomatoes, the NutraSweet. Um, and he was talking about things, and he started using some vernacular that, that I kind of went... I don't plant tomatoes. I don't know what we're talking about. Um, now, he did say photosynthesis, and I went, okay. Think back to sixth grade science. Okay. <laughs> and I got it. All right, all right. That's why they're green and cool. Uh, anyway, but in your job, 
whatever your job is, there is a vernacular. There is a set of terms and a set of words that you use, okay? And if you were to look at an orthopedic surgeon's note, it would say something like, capital P, lowercase t, presents with decreased capital B-L-E, capital A-R-O-M, with full capital P-R-O-M. Does that make any sense to you guys? None? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And by the way, they're going to write it really messy too. So you got to figure that out as well. But to me, it makes perfect sense. Patient presents with decreased bilateral low lower extremity active range of motion with full passive range of motion. Make any sense to y'all yet? Okay, but that's medical jargon. And to me, that makes sense because I went to school for, for a while and, and learned those things and have learned how to decipher those and actually use that vernacular myself on a daily, on a daily basis. And I, I understand because I am in that culture. Now, that isn't just doctors that have that same vernacular, no matter where you are, what you do. There's terms that you use that the rest of the world doesn't have a clue what they are. You know, you guys understand that. You've been the odd man out in a conversation before, and you're just hoping, like, oh, I understood that word. For me, this happens most at the mechanics. Okay, we're sitting there, we're looking under the hood, and they're saying, you know, this is connected here and does this, and, and they're using these words and pieces, and, 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 I'm, and because I'm, I want to hold my man card tight, I, I'll say, mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Yep. So I remember the words and go home and Google it. So, but all I really want to know is, is this good? Is this bad? And how much is it going to cost me? That's really what I want to know, and, but, the, the, but we're there. And so today we're going to talk about something very similar that, that would seem strange unless you're part of that culture. And this is a Jesus follower church culture thing. And we're, again, talking about worship. Worship itself is not a strange word. You know, if you use worship in a sentence, people aren't going to look odd at you. Uh, although it's not a word that you and your friends will use very often with each other. Uh, you may see a girl say, oh, I just worship this band. Like my sister, she's been to like 30 new kids on the block concerts. I don't get it. Uh, uh, uh. Anyway, but that's her. And she loves it. And she, if there's one within 300 miles, she's going. Um, and don't worry, some of your people go to different things too. Uh, but, you know, um, you're not going to text your friend or message him and say, I'm sitting here worshiping my project at work. We don't say that. It doesn't make sense. But, um, but when, when it comes to people who follow God and go to church, worship is a word that's used quite often. And, but, but for people on the outside, looking, looking in, it can be kind of confusing and strange. For church folks, for us, uh, worship normally refers to a time uh, with God where you do things like journal, sing songs, and admire God through his creation. And I can see that this would be a little odd for outsiders. See, they're okay with journaling, but not to God. Uh, they're okay with uh, people singing songs, but, not but to them, songs is about a breakup or their dog or whatever. Um, you know, not to the glory and goodness of God. People admire creation, but they don't view creation as an act of worshiping God. When worship is referred to at church, it typically means a time where we came up here and we sang. You know, it's a, it's a time slot where we, where we get together as a bunch of people and we sing songs together over again. Now, if you've been to church a lot, that doesn't seem weird. 
But if church is new to you, that might seem a little bit bizarre. Because singing worship is kind of like God karaoke. Okay? Karaoke. The lyrics are on a screen. Some people sing. Some people don't. Some people that sing shouldn't. Okay, it's, I know it says make a joyful, lo- joyful noise, not a pleasant one. I understand, but pleasant is preferred. Uh, anyway, no, just praise God and praise it out. Um, you know, um, and the lyrics are sometimes a little bit weird because, you know, normally when you hear a song, you go, oh, that's what those words mean. Um, but for us, we say things like worthy is the lamb that was slain. Here we get it. The outside world, if you post that on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, PETA will give you a call. What are you doing to that lamb? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm eating it. Uh, anyway, but, you know, the, and, and so there's a, you know, that's just a song that's sang in all of our churches. And it's even more bizarre is we raise our hands, okay? Sometimes we do it. And it's, it's not because we have a question. There's no question. Although, I will admit, after coming here and then going back to the church I was at in North Carolina, nice old-fashioned Southern Baptist. We're singing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, I don't care where you are, who you are, that is an awesome song. I sing it to my boys about every night, okay? But they're singing it, and the choir is beautiful, and I just lift a hand, and they wave back at me. <laughs> Welcome back. Sorry, I forgot where it was. And, and you know, and, and, but see, we raise our hands because we're really excited about the music that we're hearing, and it speaks to us. Even though that music is totally unlike the music we were listening to on our way here in the car, okay? So what is the deal with worship? In this series, Work of Worship, we have talked about different reasons to view work as worship. And today I want to tell you that it's an attitude, that this attitude will help you know God better, okay? It's not going to make you better, is we're going to help you to have a better relationship with the living God. Who wants that? Me, okay? Sign me up, all right? So I I want that. Um, You know, and when you put it that way, we realize, you know, uh, pardon me, and and worship is in the core is a way to know God better. And And at its core, it's about celebrating something. Worship is about celebrating something. And that makes us realize that it's already a significant part of our life. We celebrate things without thinking about it as worship, right? We celebrate, all right? Um, Most of us have no problem getting so wrapped up into something that everyone around us knows about it, right? We get really excited about a band. We get really excited about WVU or Marshall. Yeah, mm -hmm. (laughs) See, I've listed both. So, and if you're, you know, here's the deal. If you're single, that person that you have that crush on, we all know. We get it. If it's a more than crush, good grief, we all really know. Now, and for all, and for those of us that are parents, our kids, you get on my Instagram. I don't think there's a picture of myself or Peugeot on the Instagram. There's lots of pictures of the babies. So, you know, it's, you know, with your kids, we see it. And for us, devoting time and energy to celebrate what we love is easy. After all, we love it, so therefore we talk about it. So, although worship isn't a common word, if you ask your closest friends, 
You know, if I were to ask your closest friends what it is that you worship, your friends would all agree and know what it is that you worship. Now, they would probably, you know, they would give me the same answer. Now, we may not all express our celebration in the same way, but most of us know what or who we're celebrating. When you celebrate something, you turn your focus and your attention and your emotion towards it. You make a big deal of how awesome it is. And now, what's really cool is that we're actually wired to worship. We are made that way. Whether you realize it or not, you are made in a way that worship is something you just naturally do. So the question is, since we all have this natural desire, since we are made that way to worship, shouldn't we use our brains for once and make some decisions about what we want the object of our worship to be? So today we're going to look at um, some scripture in Psalms, okay? Psalms is actually an anthology, so you older guys know what the anthology is. Younger guys are like, what? That's a weird word. Anthology is actually a group or collection of songs or poems or works, and so we're, you know, that's, that's what the book of Psalms is. And according to the dictionary, Psalms is actually a sacred song or poem used in worship. So, um, you know, when, when it comes to when it comes to the book of Psalms, you know, it, it's a great place to start with to understand worship because um, Psalms has 150 chapters in it and it covers every single emotion. The emotion ranging from I just got the promotion and the raise to I just got fired two weeks before Christmas. If there's an emotion, it is in the book of Psalms. So, uh, there's also lots about worship in Psalms too. In Psalms 95, verses 1 and 2, it says, Come, let us sing for, for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. That's exactly how we expect a Bible verse to sound. It has the right cadence, it's perfect, it's there, it's from the book of Psalms, it has rhythm, which is really why, you know, memorizing Psalms is easier because it's a song. How many of you guys know lyrics of songs that you wish you didn't? Can't get it out of your mind. Well, Psalms is a good place to start there. But if you were to take Lord and Rock of Our Salvation out of the verse and replace them with your favorite band, your favorite football team, your favorite whatever, the person you're dating, whatever it is, the language would be a little bit awkward, but the idea is the same, and we do that already. So uh, worship is a part of our everyday life, even if we realize it or not. But the psalmist is, you know, is saying that in the midst of everything, competing for your worship stands the one who made you to worship. And he's there. He made you to worship in the first place. God created your attention and your emotions and wants your attention and your emotions. I, you know, it's like, it's like you're saying, I want you to take some of your attention and some of your emotions and place them on me, on, the God, on God to receive it. Put your emotions and, and your attention on God. God wants you to look his direction. Why? Because he wants to build a relationship with you. Okay, and in case you didn't know, relationships call or require some attention, and some emotion, and some celebration. Okay, that is key in any relationship. So, not it's but not just that God 
wants it. But God is worthy of it. Okay? We worship so many things in our everyday life that are not worth the time that we spend on them. Okay? They're not. Four and a half years ago, going to a WVU game and having season tickets was really important. It's not now. By the way, Brax 4. <laughs> I don't know how that changed, but something, became, something came along that was much more important. So, um, but, but let's, go back, let's go back to music and look at it for, and, and try to figure out why does it get the gold medal when it comes to worship? Think about it. When, you're, when, when WVU or Marshall comes out on the field and they're screaming and it's all exciting, right? But when there's a soundtrack to it. Okay, Marshall has this better than anyone else I've seen. They've got that thunder, you know, banging over the speakers and it's, it's excited and everybody's getting pumped and ready to go. So music has changed the emotion of that atmosphere. Now, if, if you, you know, I remember back when I was lifting and all that in school and I'm about ready to go pump, you know, lift some weights and I'm going for a one rep max, you've got to have your headphones in there to get your mind right, right? Because the music that they've got playing ain't cutting it. I need something screaming at me for some reason to make me lift the weight heavier. I don't understand it, but that's what you do. All right, and most of you can think about a song that represents a good time in your life. And it, when it randomly comes on the radio, you just think of times hanging out with your friends when you're kids and you just smile. All right? There's also that time when you're walking through Walmart and your song comes on and she dumped you. And all you want to do is go into the, to the dressing room and cry. Admit it, you're there too. But the emotions are there. The reason why we collectively sing songs to God the reason why we sing it together is, is that we, you know, we, and we turn our emotions to him together, that as a group, we declare that we're not a bunch of random people that came to this place and somehow all started doing the same thing, um, but we came here to worship God because there's a different level of emotion. There's a different level of meaning. There's a different level of power that comes from a crowd of people all doing the same thing at the same time. It's called synergy. But worship isn't just an emotion. It's also about humility. Okay, whether you're worshiping privately or in a group, or worship is a way of declare, you know, um, or you know, worship is a way of declaring, God, you are greater than we are. You are bigger, and you are better. And here's the deal: that's always a good thing to help put in perspective where God is with you. Okay, that God is bigger, God is better, and I'm here and I'm following him, not doing the prayer. Lord, I want your will to be this, 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 because it's what I want to do. How many of us are guilty? Man, if you didn't raise your hand, you should have. And there's all, you know, there's, you know, we always want to put that. Worship is also about focus. You know, that's why there's words on the screen, because sometimes we don't know what to say. Sometimes we don't know what to think, you know, or sometimes we don't know what to declare about God, and these words remind us what is true and great about Him. Worship brings us back to what's important in our faith. All right, we've been talking about workers' worship, and we've been talking about music the whole time. Now, and that's the deal. 
music helps us understand the principles of worship, but music is just barely scratching the surface of what worship can be. Because music isn't the only way to worship. Music doesn't define your ability to know God. And let's face it, we are not always in a place that we can just sing it out. Okay? Some of you do. Good for you. It's a little strange. Um, but, you know, the DMV is not a place to sing it out. Unless you're singing, um, you can't always get what you want um, because you've got to go home and get three more different forms of identification. If you work there, please view that as worship um, and not as sadism. Uh, anyway, you know, and here's the thing. The Apostle Paul confirmed this in the, in the book of Colossians. In Colossians 3.23, he says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters. Not for human masters. Worship is a way to live and live in the light of who God is. It's not simply about music. It's not even about the, the emotion and the celebration. It's about living for God. Think of it this way. Worship is more about the who than the how. Worship is more about the who than the how. It's not about singing the right songs. It's about honoring a good God. It's not about saying the right word. It's about humbling yourself before a big God. It's not about a once a week gathering where we come into church and we have a good time and then we go out into the rest of the world. It's about celebrating your loving Father. As you begin to see worship as the way to live, and you will know God better when you see worship as a way to live, you will find that you will want to do something to just say thank you. You, you, you know, thank you for being so awesome. You join with your other friends and, and you come into a place and you celebrate Him. You'll discover new ways to honor Him in your everyday life. And guess what? Your everyday life includes your work. And that's why worship, you know, and, and that's worship. Worship is celebrating Him everywhere. It's a habit of honoring and celebrating God day by day, minute by minute, moment by moment. It's making God more important than the other things that you worship. He's more important. So to, to, help, so to help you see that way of worship is more than just a 15-minute increment in a worship service when we're going to sing song, you know, one practical step is to think of things that you already do and offer it up to God as worship. You already do some awesome things in your daily life. Give it to God as worship. For instance, let's say you're one of those crazy people that likes to run. I am not, in case you didn't know. My wife... The skinny one is. I wonder if those two have anything to do with each other. Anyway, but declare your running as an act of worship. At your job, think of your work ethic as a way of honoring God. This week, live your whole life in a way that makes a big deal of who God is. And it honors God when you work hard in what you already do. It honors God when you use your talents to serve others. 
And it honors God when you make the most of your awesome mind. That's worship. It's about humbling yourself before Him and making a big deal of Him with your attention, your focus, and your emotion. And it's definitely a, way, a better way to know Him. We want to know Him better. And worship is a key. See, worship is more about the who than the how. But just as an experiment, tomorrow when you head into work, don't have a case of the Mondays. Don't count the days down to Friday. Your boss hates it. Your coworkers do too. Realize that God puts you where you are for a reason. It was not an accident. But this is not where I want to be. Okay. You're there for a reason. Make the best of it. Okay? Remember, you, remember what I talked about earlier is uh, when I was transferred to the nursing home. Needless to say, I hated it. I didn't want to have to deal with these kind of patients. If someone told me in PTA school that I would have to wipe butts, that I'd have to find blankets, it's 98 degrees in our office, and he tells me I'm going to hell because I, don't put it, because I keep it too cold on him. You already have four. I'm sweating. I turned off the fan. I have a puddle. Okay? I didn't want to deal with that. Okay? I want to go back to outpatient. There's less smells. There's less paperwork. And to be honest, I felt like I was making more of a difference. Until I was giving a lesson to the teens uh, about being called to where you are. I had to stop in the middle of the lesson because God's like, did you listen to what you just said? No. <laughs> well, say it again. Oh, I had to stop. I had to stop in the middle of the lesson and get my mind right. I don't really know what I said the rest of the lesson because I was broken in that moment. Everybody said, you did a good job. I'm like, good, because I don't know. Because God was dealing with me in something and that I had to get through. And at that moment, something changed. I went to work and knew that God... The God who made me and the God who wants more for me and the God who wants me to have this most awesome life, more bigger than anything that I could ever imagine on my own, had put me where I was. Now, when I walked in and with that attitude, attitude change, all of a sudden things were different. I'd walk in and, and some of these ladies would just look at me like, can I have a hug? I'm having a bad day. Sure. Big hug, smile, wet kiss, and you go on. And here's the truth of the matter. It didn't make their day better as much as it made my day better. Because it, it changed so much. And, and, you know, even, you know, by that following Monday, one of my coworkers looked at me and she said, what changed? What's up? What's going on? I said, I, I, I had a moment and realized that my work is worship. 
And, you know, and, and it didn't just make my attitude and my position better. It made my team, my coworkers' attitude better. When they see the smile and when they see the joy and they see how fun it is and having a good time, I'm a goofball. You may have figured that out by now. You bring that into a place like a nursing home where, where there's some folks that are just sad. But you bring in some light and some love, and our rock does it once a month, and it's amazing to love on those folks, and that's a great ministry. But to do it on a daily basis for that little bit of change that I could do. One story in particular really hits, hit me hard because this, this patient was wheelchair-bound, and she had a communication issue and a little bit of mental deficit, but she wasn't able to speak. She was able to repeat the last syllable that she heard, and she would pre- repeat it frequently. And she always would wander the halls. And one day, she's trying to tell me something. I have no clue what she's trying to tell me. None whatsoever. But she's insistent that she has something to say to me. Now, I had put together that she always has Christian uh, radio and Christian preaching going on in her room. She's always wearing uh, a cross or something like it. And, you know, she's at every preaching service that is at the nursing home. And there are quite a few. And she's always there. So I put it, I made the assumption that she's a believer. So I look at her, I take a knee and and look at her eye to eye and I say, honey, I don't know what you're trying to say. I don't, and I'm sorry. But I know that when we get to heaven, that that you and I are going to sit down and have this conversation. And I am so looking forward to that. Because you have something to say, and I'm, I apologize that I can't get it. The look she gave me was pure joy. That she, she, She's like, you get it. And, and here's the deal. From that moment on, every time she saw me, there was that twinkle, there was that, mo- that, that understanding in her eye of, it's a date. It's, we're, we're going to have that conversation and be prepared, pack a lunch. We're going to be there a while. And I'm ready. And I'm looking forward to it. And I believe she's already there waiting on me, if I'm not mistaken. But wait, because I'm coming, hopefully not soon. But here's the deal. I shudder to think what it, uh, you know, think how it would have been if I hadn't realized that my job could be Worship. So what, else, what would I have missed if I were so heavenly minded that I was no earthly good? My challenge, so my challenge to you is to not miss the opportunities that God has for you at work. Okay, God has opportunities for you at work. No matter what it is, He has the ability to, you know, it, ha- it has the ability to give glory to God. Um, we, you know, one time I was taking, you know, having this kind of conversation uh, to a group of middle school boys, and one boy, you know, when I asked that question, you know, we talked about doing the things that you're doing now as an act of worship to God, and, you know, I said, well, what's some things that you're doing now? And he said, well, building my Legos is an act of worship to God. Oh, you got my attention. You're on something there. And every youth pastor's most powerful question in the world, why? 
It's an amazingly powerful question. Because here's the deal. These kids have learned God is the answer most of the time. We ask a question, Jesus, why? What was the question? All right. So even if they get the answer right, why is the next one to come? And so he says, his answer was 100% correct. And, I, and, and it was a mic drop moment. I said, that's it. We're done. There's nothing else we need to say because that is it. He looks up and says, because God gave me the ability and the talent to build. Done. I've... Say it again. At the point, what? Did, did I stutter? Did... No, no, say it again because you're right. Your talent, whatever it is, if your talent is to sweep, then sweep for the glory of God. It, you know, if your talent is to stock the shelves, if that's your job, have the best-looking shelves in the store. If your talent is to be the mom, be the best mom you can be. By the way, that's an important job. Be the best mom you can be for the glory of God. No matter what it is, give it to God as worship. Don't let your attitude keep you from missing out. God has a plan and your work is part of it. You spend far, far too much time at your job just getting by until Saturday and Sunday. Your work is important. Don't you dare miss the opportunities to work as worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for putting us where we are. Even if we don't understand why, Lord, thank you for where we are at this moment. It's not an accident. Lord, help us to see the ways that we can do your business and be about your work and to view what we're doing as an act of worship to you, Lord, because you are worthy, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love and your grace in our situation, Lord. Help us to walk it out moment by moment, day by day, and give us the strength to seek after you all the days. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.